0: So welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. Today, my guests are Luke and Katie Affebi. Luke and Katie are husband and wife. Luke is a journalist, videographer, and writer by trade. And Katie's a writer, a producer, and mama to their two young boys. Um, They are passionate about making disciples, which I absolutely love. They want to help build up strong believers who worship our Heavenly Father with a Christ like spirit and in the full truth of His Word. They're on uh, YouTube. You can find them. They've been, uh, I mean, just searching their names, I found a whole lot of information, a whole lot of places that they've done interviews and have written interviews. Um, So welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. We're
2: excited.
0: Yeah, they're so sweet. And I think you're going to enjoy hearing them talk today. And we found out that um, we both live in Ohio and we're only a few hours away from each other. So I thought that was kind of fun. So It's a good place to be, yeah. And first, I'll just say that the name of their book is The Truth, Reformation 2.0. Is that correct? Do I have that title correct? This is a DVD series and it's called the way the truth and the life leaving christianity to live like the savior and uh oh
1: churchianity, church-ianity,
0: church-ianity oh not Christianity. it is yes yeah, sorry there we go because yes it's more oh. church than christianity right it's 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 not about leaving the the who jesus is it's about leaving more churchianity so sorry i did say that incorrectly um that's okay yeah it is so I just kind of like my mind took over what I thought it said
1: (laughs) just so the audience knows that we're not heretics right off (laughs) off the the bat yes
0: exactly yeah they're like okay turn this off (laughs) stop listening (laughs) no so thank you leaving churchianity to live like the savior I will say it correctly now (laughs) <laughs> so this already fun. I know what this is going to be like. So go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. A little about myself. Goodness. Well, I was an editor at a magazine for years. I studied journalism. I was always into writing and storytelling, and I did the video work there as well as wrote stories for for uh, for the print edition. And so I got really into video while I was there. And that was part of what led me to make the documentary, The Way, with with Katie. Um, but the reason we even did it was because we had like changes in our own, you know, religious life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a, I guess that's a whole other story. I'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that too.
2: Yeah, we will.
1: Yeah, that's that's a little about my like life. And then we met in New York City. That's where I was working.
2: Okay. That's where she
1: was just finishing college. And then we got married. We moved to L.A., we lived there a while, and then we moved back to my hometown of in Ohio, of Chillicothe, Ohio. Wow.
0: Yes, because when I first reached out to you, I'm like, that's why I was really concerned that, you know, there was three hours difference, but don't worry, we can figure it out and all that, because I was under the impression you were still in California, but...
1: I haven't updated my Facebook. He doesn't um, want
0: to know where he is. <laughs> I don't want sucker burger. No, no, I just haven't
1: done it. No, I should do just, it.
0: You're never
2: on there. But um and I'll just say, like, um, personally, we both grew up as, you know, believers Christians and Christian families. Um Luke's, you know, he was homeschooled by his mom, who's an awesome, strong believer. And I was um I went to a, a little Christian school that had I felt like was an amazing education of rooting us in our faith and you know what the bible says and how we understand it and how we interact with other ideas in the world and all of that so I'd say there was a like a pretty substantive like background in the fact that our relationship with God was real his bible the his his word is true and it's like the the litmus test for our lives and how we filter everything that we do you know and so when um we met in new york city uh luke well i don't know if you want to describe like what was going on in your spiritual life and stuff i was having an amazing time in college because i had a really strong christian community there and my faith was just like flourishing even more getting to interact with people of all different backgrounds and actually like um dialogue about the gospel and stuff um and then the church that we were going to i feel like maybe you were a bit hungry for more substance at our church or something and maybe that's why you started you know praying about things and also your mom had a a i don't
1: know i don't even want to say i was hungry for more substance (laughs) maybe i really we met at a church called christian city church c3 great church great fun pastor there (laughs) um but yeah i guess my mom called me when i was in new york and she told me that She was exploring some questions that I didn't think were questions um, that needed to be questions like multiple things like the Sabbath, which we spoke about before this, like Christmas. Should we even be doing it like that sort of thing? And so she she said this stuff to me and I thought my mom is going through a phase. She's crazy. (laughs) But I started looking into some of the history of what she was talking about of a few of these questions. And I thought she may have a point here or there. And so that is what began my search and since my background was from journalism and because I'm always interested in asking questions and looking for a story. I I asked a lot of questions and I looked deeply into this and I, I started getting the impression that it's possible that mainstream Orthodox Christianity had maybe missed a few things over the last 2000 years that made it look slightly different than the first century church, like Jesus and his disciples. And that's why this book, The Truth, Re- Reformation 2.0, is called Reformation 2.0. Because the idea is that, is, is, is visiting the question, do, should we reform further? And I know people have asked this question in many different ways, and it's not really a across the board, oh, we need to change everything. But it's a few things that I think, In doing this research, I started realizing, well, maybe our lives look different than the life of the disciples. And so maybe we should try and get back to that. And so at the time, some of these things that I brought up, Katie was like not agreeing with at all.
2: Yeah, I was like not having it. No way. I understand, you know, what my responsibility is as part of the new covenant. Like I'm, you know, freed from doing these things. I saw certain things as only Jewish having nothing to do with me. I saw like um interesting like symbolism in it but i didn't see any connection to my personal walk with god um and so i just thought he was i i didn't see i couldn't see what he was describing as like the enduring goodness of these things potentially for christians today there was not space in my mind for that
1: <laughs> and to just put a kind of a to highlight what she means by these things because it'll be very vague to your viewers listeners right now mm-hmm. is it's specifically saturday sabbath mm-hmm. um Observing the food laws in Leviticus 11 and, and then visiting the moments in the New Testament scripture that seem to say, you don't need to do these things anymore. Mm-hmm. And the feast days, kind of the, the, what we call we would call the Old Testament feast days, mm-hmm. basically. But the, the ones that we saw referenced by in, in many verses in the New Testament and certainly kept by Yeshua, Jesus in the Gospels and sometimes Paul when he's running around. And even so,
2: everyone in you know in Acts two, I I would always read about Pentecost, and I just thought as you know in my mind before, I just thought, oh, Pentecost, like it just it almost meant nothing. And then I was like, oh, Shavuot, like they're doing a feast from Leviticus twenty three, they're gathering to do this post jesus death and resurrection as believers, and then the Holy Spirit totally falls and like blesses that event, and it's amazing mm-hmm. like outreach, and the church explodes, and they're still doing this Old Testament feast after Jesus died. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. I remember, um, the pastor that the church was still going to had asked me if I wanted to do something on Pentecost. So it was a Wednesday night service. And so I taught on Pentecost and I said, well, we're not going to start Acts 2 We're going to go back to Exodus 19 and Exodus 32. And, and, and they're just like, why are we starting there? You know, and, and we are taught and I hear it every time that the season comes up, you know, that, um, Oh, Pentecost, the day Jesus created the church, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, do you realize that was, uh, one of the Lord's feasts? It's, it's when he, the giving, of the Ten Commandments, the the Torah is giving of that. The first one mirrors the second one of the giving of the Spirit, and I took him through all of the language of the the scriptures, and how you know the disciples spoke to everyone in their own language. Basically, they heard their language coming out of their mouths, and then but God over here in on Mount Sinai, He's talking to everyone. And they're hearing their own language in their ears, according to the way the scriptures are written in Hebrew. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, because it actually said that they saw the voices. And and I, I just thought that was so interesting. And so I'm laying it all out. And I had people coming to me. I had no idea there was a Pentecost before Acts 2. And I had no idea... And I had one woman text me, I want all of the biblical references that you just gave, you know, and I'm like, no problem. I can give them all to you. And, um, but you know, and it's okay. I'm not even offended by that because Mm -hmm. we should be doing that. We should be saying, where are these things? And if you say Jesus did a lot away with the Torah and all of the laws, then where is that in scripture? and i want to know where he actually said this and where and and so but one of the things that i think has been the biggest impact on me is we try to read scripture with our american minds and our greek culture lives because that's really where we where the united states lives like the greeks really and when we try to look at Middle Eastern writings from Middle Eastern people with a very much Greek mind, we're going to miss all sorts of things. We're not going to understand it in the same way it was written. I, I think. Go ahead. Oh,
1: I, I was just going to say, yeah, even just the use of Pentecost, and then we don't looking into what that word, what that phrase means. I mean, count fifty. Yeah, is, right? It's To do it's. It's counting from first fruits to the feast of weeks, um, or sh- yeah, sh- yeah, sh- yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. It yeah, and it, yes. I'm glad you did the that um, sermon for those for the people in your church because it's interesting to learn this stuff. And I also had never heard of any of this either. So that's why all of this stuff. I thought this is important enough that we should tell this story, and that's why we did the way. Mm-hmm. And that maybe this is important enough to like. Highlight some of the kind of rebuttals too, and that's why we did the book because it it's, it just walks through, I guess you would say rebuttals.
0: And even in your video or DVD series, I mean, I would I like I told you before we started. I mean, there were people on here that I had been following and didn't even realize, you know, Brad Scott, his um, Wild Branch Ministries. Oh, I mean, if you want to learn more about the Old Testament you know, that is a wonderful site. He has passed away, but they continue his site and keep it updated. And, um, and Keith Johnson, even, I mean, he's got a site that you can join or get free material from. And I followed both those men and learned from them. And, and that just deepened my understanding of the Hebrew scriptures and, and who Jesus was, because I've even heard it talked about, you know, that we, I mean I have been telling this to a lot of people lately because it's been so so just the coolest thing to me to understand it in this way but we almost you know stripped Jesus of of everything Jewish that he was
2: mm. and
0: we tried to make him a gentile god in a way uh you know for lack of better word I mean and and we don't really realize that he is the Jewish Messiah. And Messiah is a very Greek word. I'm sorry, very Hebrew word that talks about the anointed one. And, and and he fits everything. He fits every single thing, every single prophecy that was meant to describe him. He fits it and he lived it. And, and, and we can't strip him of that and choose to follow and make him a Gentile Christian.
1: It's interesting. Stripping him of that kind of would, it strips him of a lot of the Everyday kind of practical actions that he took, which mm-hmm. which is a lot of the things that we're trying we're trying to revisit now. I mean, that mm-hmm. Katie and I started like saying, "Well, we why don't we do this? Why don't we do that?" And it's always a do thing, which is interesting. Yeah. So those things that we've just see as something people did in the first century were actually specific to Israel and specific to Jesus, and so. Yeah. Yeah, that's something important. <laughs> and also specific to his disciples and disp- specific to the converts, the Greek uh, converts. It's like this continued. So mm-hmm. that's also interesting. And then the fact that it was sort of erased um, when when things got more corporate is also interesting and strange. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that's, a, we touch on that in the documentary, but there's so much more to say about that.
0: There is. and I And I even anti-semitism i mean we see anti-semitism we think of hitler but we don't realize that even the church is guilty of it yeah yeah right and i i actually talked to someone recently um another podcast that i i recorded and um she had taken a whole class on anti-semitism and and it was from a messianic jewish professor Mm -hmm. and it was very interesting and she and i I learned a lot, but, but even I'm reading a book called the, the ways of the way. And so the way being that congregation that came about in acts and went into the fourth or fifth century. And what I found out from the book and this, the writer, and, and I mean, he did a lot of history brought in a lot of history, I should say. And it was like, Who killed them off but Constantine's followers and the new Christians of that century. And that's why they they actually just dropped out of existence because they were being persecuted and, and, and they were being stripped. They said, yeah, we can we we like your Jesus, but we don't like all this Jewish stuff. So we don't want any of it. And we don't want any of those feasts, any of the things we and. It it was just mind boggling. I'm not even finished with the book, but the steps they went through to bring people into their congregation. I told somebody, I said, we wouldn't even have megachurches if we use the same criteria as they did. There would be no megachurch churches because people wouldn't go through all that to become a member of a church if we use the same criteria that they did in the first and second, third century.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. I got to look out too. That's
2: know, interesting. That interesting.
0: Yeah, it's really good. So share a little bit more. Um, I have your, your PDF and you talk about contradictions. So you talk about, um, and throughout your the text of your book, you basically have contradiction one, and then popular theology and then the truth. So you kind of go through and, and I mean, and and we've all heard a lot of what you, you bring up, you know, I think um, you have one talking about Shabbat and if, if, you know, and if Jesus certainly was sinless, then he would have been breaking Shabbat and breaking, you know, like, he was sinless so he couldn't have broken shabbat i guess is what i want to say and yeah. but yet people try to say oh but he did he did break he he said it wasn't you know all of us so you can um fill in a little of the blanks there for me if you want yeah oh man
2: i there start, was just eh? something about what you said before i don't want to jump back but no it's fine it's fine if i mention one thing when you talk about stripping jesus of his jewishness and all these practices that were so integral to his faith um yeah, I I began to see that, too. And when I even look when the law was given these different, you know, food laws and feasts and festivals to celebrate, first of all, Jesus is the substance of them. They literally are pictures of his ministry from coming to his atoning work on the cross to returning to, you know, being in paradise with us forever. It's all depicted there, you know, even having a day already for the resurrection, like first fruits, it's built in, you know, and God thought to show the whole story. Um, And as much as these feasts and stuff have become integral in Jewish culture, like Judah and all the other tribes were there, you know, when God gave the law at Mount Sinai. And I, we see this now as a heritage of all of God's people. So when people sometimes say that Jesus was just doing Passover, let's say, or just, you know, eating clean to, And it was only being culturally Jewish. Yes, because that is part of the culture, but also it's what it means to be sinless. Mm. If these are our instructions for life and for righteousness, he was doing those things because, yes, A, it's his culture and B, that's the
1: proper way to live. That's
2: the proper way to live. And if he wanted to be our perfect sacrifice, he needed to do those things. And so then we think, well, if he was sinless and he is our example, why do we deviate from him in any way? And that's kind of the frame of the way documentary we go through just a few key points in which most um, mainstream Christian Christians, you know, us included in our lives before uh, deviate from Jesus's life. And we try to figure out why is that? And should that be, you know, can we come back closer to following him?
1: Um, you know, Brad Scott is the one who frames that question in the documentary when he says, yeah, there's only one perfect person that we have in the Bible. And. <laughs> And he says, and we don't do anything like him. But I mean, you know, yeah, Of he's, course, there's
2: a lot we all agree to do like him. But then there are some things that we specifically teach don't do this because it would be like um, legalism or Judaizing or something like that. And that's a little bit of a separate maybe discussion. But yeah.
1: Now I can I can jump over to your most recent <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. If you want me to. Sure. Okay. So yeah, about the book, there are 25 contradictions in there, and. I'll give an example of one just because it's, it's a blatant one. So the contradiction is number three, and it's popular theology says Jesus said all meat is clean, and that comes from Matthew 15 and Mark 7. And then the truth is God said not all meat is clean. I mean, God said not all meat is clean. T, yeah, Thank and so can. that's coming from Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14. So how do we make those things uh, gel? And so that's basically what it's about. That's what that section of the book would be about. And um,
2: yeah. You take the passages that are used to sort of force these contradictions and you say, okay, is there a way to understand these two passages where they just don't say the opposite things? (laughs) You know, can the scripture be congruent and all the writers be saying the same thing and God's definition of sin, not change. And also can his goodness be enduring because before, when I was hearing about some of the laws, there's almost like a a scoff in your voice when you're like, oh, are you going to do that? You know, it feels ridiculous. It feels wild, you know. But then I had to kind of check myself and I'm like, well, if God, who I say is good, is the author of these instructions, I'm kind of scoffing at him. I kind of think like. It's like you have this weird thought like he needed to evolve like Jesus was like a rebrand of like the mean Old Testament God, which is really an old heresy. You know, but we hold on to it in little ways when we have that kind of attitude towards some of these laws while also saying we think he's good.
1: And it's these laws in particular, because these are the ones that rub up against uh, our society and cultures acceptance of things Mm -hmm. like we accept pork and shellfish and we accept that sunday is the day we we have as our you know sabbath day and and whenever a thing from the scriptures the, from the disciples from jesus and from the old testament butts up against those things then we it, it it's a big deal it's a big deal because it it has a lot of implications it just by by saying hey shouldn't we consider keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath, it implies that all the Christians that we know and hang out with aren't keeping the right Sabbath. And so that that's where this whole idea can get a little bit of pushback.
0: Right. It can get dicey. Um, it can get, you know, people get offended. And I understand. I was one of those people. But I, you know, I think that for me, though, you know number 1 i have to say and i i my husband and i actually had this conversation i pray all the time that the lord would remove any deceit from my life i want to know the truth and i don't want something no matter what my preconceptions what my teaching has been even if it came from my mom and dad i want the truth and I want any deception expelled, you know, I just show me truth and i and I always pray that because I think it's so important we're all deceived and and if you don't think you are deceived, then you're deceived because we we can't we're we're human, we just have to keep asking and praying that the Lord will keep showing us truth because there's there's very little truth in this world and 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 even Jesus says, you know if it were possible that you know." He has to like put an end to things yeah. to the deception because we would all be then, we would all be deceived if he didn't put an end to some of the deception because it's that convincing. And, um, and the things I've just learned from different people and the the way that we translate scripture sometimes and the way that we, we translate it can be so we take away the power of the scriptures because of our translations. it's It's sad to me because I love God's word and I love teaching it and I love learning. But first I have to be a student and that's what I always tell people. I love teaching, but if I'm not a student first, then I'm at risk of teaching the wrong thing and I don't want to teach the wrong thing. And I have taught incorrectly and I have had to repent because I have taught incorrectly. I taught what I was taught. Mm -hmm. right we that's what we do and it wasn't until i started learning and lord started bringing other people into my life that i started learning okay maybe i need challenged in this area and i and i and i think that anybody listening i'm we're not trying to change people's mind we want and we pray that the lord would just open people's eyes to the truth whatever his truth is not our truth Not just because it works for us, but because it's God's truth and it's what's God's, it is what he is saying. And so getting to something you said, it was like when we talk about food in the Bible, when the Bible even speaks of food, we have to understand that this is not the American word food, Hmm. the English word food. Food, when Jesus talked about food, it was what they considered to be food. If it was unclean, it was not food. It was not food. They didn't even call it food because it was not edible. And that's the difference. When we see and hear the word food, we think all food as we know it in the United States of America or in Name Your Country. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So that's the biggest one of the biggest things we need our eyes open to. Like, what did Jesus mean by this word? What did Jesus...
1: Food made whole, holy by the word of God and prayer, yeah. As, yeah. as it's kind of further defined very, later
0: in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jesus never contradicted his Father. Okay. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. If it if it seems mm-hmm. like it is, we need more education. We need to understand that it's not contradict. There's a a law in um, Hebrew hermeneutics. <laughs> but says it's the law first mentioned. So you go back. So when you see something about food in the new Testament, you go back to when it's first mentioned. And that is how you tie it all together. And we don't, we're taught Greek hermeneutics, not Hebrew hermeneutics. So there's some, There's just deficits, I think. That's just what I call them. I think there's just deficits in our learning and understanding. And I don't blame pastors. I don't blame other people. I I honestly go back to the the seminaries and think they should know better. They're the scholars. They're they should know better. They're teaching the people that we are sitting under, you know. So that's my that's my soapbox. But
1: (laughs) yeah. I mean, because that's the big the hardest thing to think is even possible that's that's why i thought that that was a big kind of hang up for me before we made the way because i thought this if i'm right about this and if the people that were were covering in the documentary are right about this stuff then that means that the christian church at large has been wrong for two millennia and that's a big pill to swallow when you know that there are brilliant minds through you know those thousands of years that have been focused on trying to get close to God. Yeah, and so you can't solve it without the supernatural. You know, you can't. Right. right. Yeah,
0: and I and I don't think that any of us are. and I, no, I just want. I don't speak for you, but I I think that I have what I have heard and read and listened. We're not saying that all these people who don't follow these are going to hell. Um, they there are people who godly people love Jesus given their lives for Jesus, you know? Um, So I think in my, the way I understand it, it's a, it's more of a blessing to, to be following all the commandments. There's more blessing for it. There's more, and I'm not talking material blessing, it's spiritual blessings that follow along with doing everything and looking like our savior.
1: I mean, it's what he told us to do. So yeah.
0: Yeah, being obedient
1: to that, and I think that all Christians, if they re- if it really registered for them and they thought, oh, this is part of what he told us to do,
2: then they would, then they would they do it. That's do it, yeah. what
1: that's what happened with us, yeah, before we weren't mm-hmm. doing any of this stuff, and then we realized, oh, I think yeah. he's means to do this stuff too. All right,
0: well, <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll do yes, yeah,
0: we'll add that to our list of things, so yeah, I know, and and, and they- not as a
1: not as Anything to do with salvation, this is another problem that right. whenever we talk to people about this, a lot of times they'll be like, well, so you're saying that it's law and not grace. So you're saying that you need to keep the commands and you're more special than me now and blah, blah, blah. And no, none of that is true. It's just about if, if you think these things are true and and you see that they apply to your life and you think that Jesus told you to keep them, then keep them. Okay. That's part of being obedient to him. But it's not part of salvation. It's a separate thing. There's grace. And then there's like your lifestyle, which would align with his. And so that lifestyle part would be part of sanctification as you like anything would be like not continuing to commit adultery would be important after you become (laughs) saved. So, yeah, it's just like that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, When we first started this church, um, uh, probably back in. 2010, we went to a church and at uh, that point we were already eating, you know, according to Leviticus 11. And as I told you, I mean, we did it for our health. We, you know, there were things going on in our bodies and in our health that were, we realized we weren't feeling good and we, we did not like feeling bad. You know, it, it started affecting us you know, in our, in our late forties and early fifties, we started just like, oh, you know, we've been abusing our bodies all this time. We need to stop. And, you know, we, we changed our entire diet, but we, we were also, um, pointed back to Leviticus loving, And, and it's like, you need to include this, you know, these are the things that pork. And I actually, in another podcast, just explain even the, the parasites and all of that. And, and, and I realized I had parasites, I had, you know, things going on inside of me that I needed to get rid of. And it's like, oh, there's a reason that he said not to eat pig, you know, there's a reason. And, um, so as we explored that and then started doing even some cleanses to get rid of what we knew the parasites we had, and I, I, it's a big, long story. I won't go into it all, but But we started feeling better. My headaches, my dizziness, things like that I was experiencing every single day. And I homeschooled my kids. So here I would be until my medicine took effect and got rid of my headache. I was on the couch in pain. And I'm like, guys, just kind of turn on the TV, do whatever until mama feels better. And so, and it was such freedom. It was freedom. It was like the day my pain went away, my headache stopped. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm never eating pork again. And because I actually knew without a doubt, it was that causing it. Okay. I knew. And, and again, it's a longer story than I I want to get into, but believe me when I tell you that it pointed to this because the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with my inner ear. But, um, but I knew there was something wrong, but anyway, so, so I guess it was just, and then when we started this church, in 2010. And, the, and they invited us to a potluck meal. We were new to the church. We were first time attenders and, um, and it was pulled pork. It was all like the whole meal. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, And it's like, oh no. Oh. And, um, and for me, it was like, I don't want to go back to that pain. I don't want to go back to that inner ear, you know, all that. And, um, and so we just said, no, we, I'm sorry, we don't eat pork, but thank you. We'll we'll pick out what we want, you know, because they were bragging about the pork. Basically, they were bragging about the meal, and um, and he looks at us. The pastor looks at us and says, "So do you think you have to do that to be saved?" And my husband was like, "No, it has nothing to do with our salvation. It has everything to do with our health, and and because God said it." I mean, underlying, that's the main reason, but they didn't understand parasites. They didn't understand all those things. God didn't explain it. And so it was just that, like you, we've experienced the same things. It's like, there's a reason we do it. There's a reason that God said it. Mm -hmm. Go back to those reasons. Find out those reasons.
2: That, like what you just said, highlights a key theme for me. Once I started to think these things could be good still, which was, there's like the dividing line, I think, in scripture between what is sin and what is not sin is, does it lead to life, like you just said, or does it lead to death? I don't, I before I just thought it was arbitrary, like God was like, that's a sin, that's not, that'll be a sin, that'll be okay. You know, it's not like that, he's not just pointing to random things. And And, and I have this. Very good point. Belief kind of because of some of the theology I got growing up, maybe in school, that um, ceremonial laws, ritual, purity, these words that sound antiquated and like um, for show and a little bit random. I think that gave me the wrong impression. And I do think that each of these things, even, you know, to whatever degree we can understand them really will lead to life, whether it's in our relationships, in our bodies, in our businesses, with our food and our animals and the health of the soil we're farming in. All of this stuff has to do with what will lead to life and what will lead away from death.
1: And Yeshua, like, lines, I mean, he highlights this when he says that all of these other commands hang on these two commands, Mm -hmm. which is, which means that all the commands that seem Like they may not matter anymore or like we don't understand the reasoning behind them. They all will do two things. They will help us, whether we know how to or not, love our neighbors as ourselves or love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and might. Mm -hmm. And that's what he meant by that. That's an important thing to know. And I didn't understand that a while ago.
0: You're right. I learned that too. Everything hangs. I mean, Leviticus shows us how to love our neighbors as ourselves, I mean, the Torah yeah. shows us how to love God with all of our heart, soul, and might. If if we don't have that teaching, then we we can't do it, and we, we'll bang our heads forever. How do I love my neighbor? How I mean, that's here. You had the Pharisees asking this question, right? What Luke was saying about the laws
2: hanging on those two commands. Before I used to think the laws are reduced down to these two commands. And then I just live them out, however um, seems right in my heart or however I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading or whatever. But then I started to think they hang on these two commands. And this might be playing with the language in a way that's not permissible, but I pictured coat hooks, like coat you know hooks on your wall or whatever. Like, and I pictured a coat hanging on a hook. I was like, if it's hanging on it, it's still there. It's not just like, this is a summation that reduces it down and gets rid of it. They're hanging there. And I was like, oh, weird.
0: No, and you're
2: right. I love that
0: because (laughs) what it hangs on has to be pretty strong. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, you can't just hang a coat on a cardboard. You know, you can't just put a (laughs) drill, a little hole into the cardboard and hang a hook and then put your coat on there, especially in Ohio weather. That's a heavy cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be substantive, right? You got to like be on a stud.
2: And that really is what the Torah is. It's like yeah. a, it is a strong, um, sturdy, you know, fine print. Even things that I think most Christians are, you know, in agreement about, like what is sexual immorality? But it's very um, debated and trying to be redefined in our culture a lot of that fine print is there in the first five books of the Bible. What exactly do you mean by this? I know that some people with like a homosexual um, background or something will say, oh, well, this is just talking about non-monogamous gay relationships and they will take what's written in the new Testament and define. And of course there are scriptures in the new Testament that explicitly forbid that, but I'm just saying a lot of the uh, fine print that defines exactly what God means when he says, this or this or what love is or what um you know family whatever is written there in you know the sort of terms and conditions.
0: greater detail. You're absolutely (laughs) right. Because look at Leviticus 18. It basically tells us everybody we're not supposed to have sex with. (laughs) Everybody we're not supposed to be in an intimate relationship with. It forbids it between stepbrother, stepsister, you know, whatever, stepmother, don't, you know, ex-wives, whatever it is. You don't don't have relationships with these people because it's not right. But, But seven chapters before that, Leviticus 11, we say, oh, but this is not for us. But this chapter, we, we're okay with this chapter. I mean, it's all interspersed, right? It's all there together. And I, I think that it's hard to, but I but what I see are people coming into the church and they're picking and choosing what they want to believe because the church has been doing it for two millennia. We've been picking and choosing what applies to us. And what applies to them. And then we wonder why we live in a culture that picks and chooses what they want to believe.
2: Yes.
1: And even a progressive Christian culture in some cases that decides to not pick some of the things explicitly covered in the New Testament. And so when we start kind of eroding the moral, I guess, Framework of the scriptures, the, the one and zero, black and white, binary, yes and no, that is really highlighted in the Old Testament, but it's also pretty plain in the New Testament in many cases. When when we start redefining any of that, then it's always man defining. Man picking, man choosing. And that, of course, is a step down from God choosing and God defining. And so I think that that is an important thing. And I, we do try and highlight that in the book a little bit as well. Mm. About, about having a sovereign moral code. is that That's what I think we call it. And I think that that's important because you can defer to that as a believer. You don't have to say, I made this up and mm. I'm a bigot. You can say, <laughs> God made this up, and I, I subscribe to this moral, the sovereign moral code. It's not something that I created this morning, you know? I, I just realized, and it's mm. survived all these years, and it's benefited all of these people, so it's proved itself in, in, in many different countries <laughs> across many different languages and ages and and so yes, I subscribe to that and I defer to that sovereign moral code. And so I think that when we tinker with that, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous.
0: And, yeah, in every aspect it's it's dangerous because once we take him off the throne and put ourselves on the throne, yeah, we're 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 doomed, <laughs> really. We're just doomed. <laughs> and it's it's really sad, but but even even idolatry and I mean I think there's a beautiful pictures in the old Testament of God being this King and, and creating a kingdom or, or being a bridegroom and creating and, and bringing in this bride for himself. And, and if we, if we get our minds and our focus off of that beautiful picture that it was all meant to be, and we turn that into a legalistic kind of, this is God with the big old hammer ready to send us all to hell type of you know mindset i mean that's that's not it's not what's being portrayed in the old testament it's that's not it and i actually had a friend tell me once that her college age student went to a youth meeting of the same age but college age people and um and the guy uh, who was teaching that day stood up and basically said aren't you glad we don't serve the god of the old testament that was the last time she went so yeah good
1: <laughs> <laughs> well because it's the God of the Old Testament who comes to earth as a man and dies for his creation right. that's the God yeah that's the same God he was the word at the beginning and he is the word you know who came to earth and became flesh so yeah. you can't detach one from a, the other that is an old Marcion teaching that was like called out as heresy way back when it started but somehow the bits of it remained in 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 modern church
2: i was just gonna say on the topic of picking and choosing because i can imagine maybe some listeners are thinking well then how come you guys aren't sacrificing and how come you're not stoning your kids and these are the some of some of the things that luke goes into in great detail in the book but i just wanted to maybe give a blanket you know explanation of how you figure out what it what something is that you can actually um, implement in your life and what isn't when god gave these laws to israel they were just under the rule of egypt and so they were like operating under another nation's rules and then all of a sudden they come out and they're a big people group they need governance and they need a constitution they need their bill of rights essentially and like what they're going to do judicially for all of the different infractions that will happen and um, how people will be punished and rewarded and what's good and what's bad. And so many of the rules uh, that we see are like the laws of a nation. It's like how God would perfectly operate a nation with justice and love and mercy and all the different things. And many of our laws in America are based on those laws, even in like the early colonies and stuff. They were trying to do that. Um, and then there is the aspect of the sacrificial system, which we know has changed for us as um, or like looks differently because of Jesus's sacrifice. And that's why we're not like actively doing that. We're not in the land with the temple. And also he has, you know, he has paid the price as this ultimate sacrifice. And so some of that will look different for us. So I've had, I had the question myself and the accusation from others Well, like, you're not really, you know, um, doing all that you could do. Like, why aren't you doing X, Y, Z? And the truth is, the laws apply to different groups. Some apply to you if you're a farmer, some apply to you if you're a mom who just had a baby, you know, some apply to you if you're a King or if you're a judge carrying out uh, justice on a murderer, right. Say, or, or if you're in a, a theocracy operating by these rules, of course we're in America and wherever else your listeners are. And so the way we apply these things will vary depending on our station in life. Um, But I just wanted to touch. Great point. Very good point. Yeah.
1: Do you want to add anything to that? <laughs> oh, man. That's a big subject. I, know, it's a I, 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 I think the simple, I, the simple answer lunch. is just, if, if you can do this, do it. If you can't do it, don't try and overreach yeah. and do it, because that's wrong. I mean, Saul tried to do that when, when he sacrificed animals to God instead of killing them all, because his, his instruction was kill everything. And he said, I think that we should keep some, and I'm going to sacrifice some. And that was totally the wrong thing to do. And that's that is the sacrificial system is a big subject to get into because there's different seemingly different iterations throughout the Bible. But we talked about a little in this, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you guys you've interviewed have talked about that a lot.
0: I always feel like whenever something comes up more than once, that it's probably it needs to, because there's certain things that we just don't get. We don't understand at all. And I don't think any, any one of us can say that we know it all. And I I think um, Katie, you brought up a really good point. You know, why don't we do X, Y, and Z if we're going to say, we have to do this, this, and this. And I mean, those are valid questions, but, but we do go back to, you know, did God allow Abraham, even though he told Abraham to sacrifice, his said, did he ultimately allow him to? No, he didn't. He, cause he said, no, I am not that kind of a God. That's a God you're used to, but that's not me. I will give my own son to be the sacrifice for the covenant that you break. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, you know, I love the verse in the Psalms. It says, um, you know, you, you don't, oh, now, of course I'm going to forget it, but, um, you don't treat us as our sins deserve,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean that just covers so much if we really believe that that's a true character of the Father we serve, he still does not treat us as our sins deserve
1: no
0: and 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 what Jesus did for us is everything, and we can't we can't hide that, we can't put it under the table we we It has to be in the forefront of everything we do, yeah, yeah. And, and the love that he's calling us to has to be in the forefront because that's what Jesus loved. Even those who challenged him, even those who, who hung him on a cross, he still loved them. And, and so, you know, love has to be the center, but, but, but we do out of what we love, you know, I think even in a covenant, I I've studied covenant and it's fascinating all the things that we really don't understand, but But if you kept the covenant, then the language of the covenant was you loved the king. If you didn't keep the covenant, it was because you hated the king. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and, and that's why we even see in scripture, you know, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated or, or it was, it was a, it was a covenant keeping language. Mm. And, and it was fascinating to me that. We do what we do because we love him. It's not out of legalism. It's not out of some hoping to get more rewards or to be better. It's, it's out of love that we do what we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Love and obedience. Paul tells us, walk like I walk because I walk like Christ walked.
2: Mm-hmm. And so exactly. I
1: mean, then let's just find out how he did yeah. and try and do that. And I think that's what we're trying to do. I think a lot of people are trying to do that. Thank goodness.
0: Yeah. And it is true. I mean, again, going back to your DVD series and, and it actually made me feel good hearing the testimonies of people on these DVDs. You have three DVDs in here and some of them are full of testimonies. Some of them are, are, have different things on them, but it's like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that the Lord is calling to this. Oh my goodness. Strange <laughs> lifestyle compared to everybody else. I know. Yeah. I mean, my sister said, so what are you going to go back to, like, Judaism? And then I have a my youngest son, who's just a smart mouth anyway, you know, and I mean that in the best possible way, but he's 24, and, you know, he knows everything, and and he's just like, um, so when did we become Jewish, Mom? Because uh, I, I miss that somewhere, you know, so, so it's like, yeah, just be quiet, <laughs> so <laughs> you know things like that you're you're always going to be given a hard time when but you know but it isn't part of holiness i mean we're we're not called to look like the world
1: yeah no and it's also i mean Paul calls us Israel. He calls us grafted into the commonwealth of the house of Israel. He says at one time in Ephesians 2, Mm -hmm. you were Gentiles. You were strangers to the covenants of promise without God in the world.
2: Without hope. So
1: he defines Gentile as without hope, without God, and a stranger to the covenants, plural of promise. Mm -hmm. And then he says, but now, as if something has changed, Mm -hmm. you are grafted into the commonwealth of the house of Israel, which he then goes deep into in Romans so that's what i would say to your son i would say well are we jewish or israel it, you know maybe we're not culturally or, or you know bloodline you know, right, jewish, line right. jewish yeah. but we are defined as however the bible defines israel which the old testament called the church back in yeah.
0: the congregation in, in, of in deuteronomy the, mm-hmm. the ecclesia. ecclesia
1: that's what it yes. you know, was called so and the, I don't
0: know, that's a called out ones. Yes. Actually yeah. in Hebrew, the called out ones. That's, that's what we were. That's who we are. Yeah. We've crossed um. over from life to death and God's family. It's great when you see it that way
2: and you kind of always think you're part of God's family, of course, but you see the continuity. Like um, if you're a person in covenant with him and Israel was his covenant people or the Hebrews or however you want to say it, like we are in that same people group where Abraham seed mm-hmm. and heirs according to the promise and there's not a distinction with him and there's no partiality. And um, and it's really cool. The scripture just comes alive because it's all your, it's you're part of this family of God, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, all the heroes in the Bible were Israelites basically. And then most, many of the villains were heathens or Gentiles. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of David and uh, Goliath. Mm-hmm. And so we're identifying as, as that.
0: Yes, we are. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. And, and, uh, oh, this is fun conversation. It was serious, but good. And I appreciate, you know, just being on here and willing to share your story and, and talk about hard things because it's, it's not the easy stuff to hear. And certainly there will be those who don't want to hear it. And, and I totally get that, you know, we were all there at one point and, um, but, you know, thankful that God has mercy on us all, right? And he that's his character. That's his love for us. And so, um, but thank you. I appreciate you guys and what you're doing. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thanks to
1: anyone who listened yes. to this thing. It was
2: great
0: to talk <laughs> to you. You too. And I'll leave links to your website, links to your material. Your, your. Well, I guess it's all on your website, so I'll leave links to that. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. You can find me at www.graftedjewishroots.com. You can also find me on Twitter at GraftedJewishRT. I appreciate you being with me, and I'll see you next time.